Well, today what we're doing is we're beginning a new sermon series called Thrive. And let me just kind of paint the picture for you. Over the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking specifically, intentionally, and particularly about marriage. Okay? It's going to be about marriage. It's going to be about your marriage. Okay? It's going to be, and you might say, well, I'm not married yet. And, and, and maybe you're not. And, and I'm going to, I'll, I'll explain to you how we're going to try to help you with that too. But, but this is specifically about marriage. Over the next several weeks, we're going to have specific application for marriage uh, and for your uh, marriage relationships. It's also going to be about the home. We're going to talk about the home as well and, and that kind of thing. And it's also going to be about your primary relationships and that kind of thing. And, uh, but it's going to be most pointed at marriage. And the reason is simply this. Our marriages are in trouble inside this church. Marriages are in trouble. And the reason I know that is because you've talked to me and I've talked to you. And some of you haven't talked to me yet, but, but we know what's happening. Our marriages are in trouble. And that has compelled me to be very laser-like and in application as we look at the marriages that God would have us have. And beyond survival in marriage. You know, and, and I understand that many of us get to that survival mode. I've been in that survival mode. You have four kids under the age of 10, uh, and some of them in diapers still. I don't know if that was true. I, I don't remember when our kids were under the age of 10. Uh, oh, let me, uh, it's survival mode when all your kids are teenagers. Let me just say that. And they're all girls, and they start bringing boys home. Let's not talk about it. Touching a little close to home. But, I mean, you get in survival mode. I understand that. I understand about survival mode. But God wants us to do more than survive. He wants us to thrive. So over the next several weeks, thank you, over the next several weeks, we're going to look at how to thrive. All right? Now, to get there, we have to start with the big picture. Now, here's the way the sermons are going to work. Usually, the way I preach is I, I'll, I'll take a passage and then I'll, I'll do a part of it and then I'll apply a part of it and I'll do a part of it and I'll apply a part of it and I'll do a part of it and I'll apply a part of it. That, that, that's, just, that's just the way it works. That's the way I usually do it. Now I'm going to do it a little bit differently over this series because it's going to help you who aren't married and if, this, if, you're, if you're not married and, and you're having a hard time, the text itself should apply to you because it's the Bible. I'm just saying, right? It should apply to you. It's the Bible. And so we're going to take the text, and we're going to look at what the text says, what the Scripture says. And then after we do that, there'll be a little bit of application okay, in that. But then after we look at the text and what the text says, then we're going to have application at the end. All right. So it's a little bit different. It's going to feel a little bit different to me. It might not feel any different to you all, but it is like crazy different for me. All right. So that's how we're going to take it. Now, as we look at today's message, today's message is the biggest picture message. Okay. It, it has the biggest application and is the, the, the broadest range. And the reason is because if you're going to have a tree that thrives, you've got to make sure that the soil is right. And today, we've got to make sure that the soil is right. All right? We, we've, got, we've got to make sure that we get all the toxins and the poison out of the soil if we're going to thrive. And when we look at Psalm chapter 1, we get the big picture of, of the difference between thriving and not thriving. Okay, Psalm chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's thriving, folks. And that's where we want to be. Every person wants to thrive. All of us want to fit into that metaphor of a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. We want that in our relationships. We want that in our work. We want that in our home. We want that in our, in our fun time. We, we want that kind of life. And that's why the psalmist begins the psalms with this statement. Blessed is he. Okay, And that's how we can live. We can live that kind of filled up, overflowing, good kind of life, thriving, not just surviving. All right, so how do we get there? Well, if we're going to get there, we have to understand that, that the psalmist was talking about two ways of life. And the first way of life is the withered way of life. We can live a withered life. I don't like the idea of living a withered life. I don't, I, I, I don't like that. Uh, dried up, dead decaying, miserable. That's the kind of life that the psalmist describes when he says, blessed is the man who doesn't do these things. When he says, blessed is the man who walks not, who stands not, and who sits not, he's talking about a progression of life that many of us have chosen and continue to choose. He's talking about simply this. When I listen to the wrong voice, I start making some bad choices that lead me into sorry places. When I listen to the wrong voices, I start making bad choices that lead me to sorry places. Some of you are living in the sorry places right now. Uh, David said as he was writing this, blessed is the man who doesn't do this thing. He doesn't stand in the, he doesn't uh, listen to the counsel of the ungodly. He, he's, he's not listening to the wrong, he's listening, he's not listening to the wrong voice. But the withered life says, I'm going to listen to the wrong voice. Now, what's the wrong voice? It's the ungodly voice. Now, every time we see something like ungodly, we think, oh, that's Hitler, right? That, that's, oh, that's bad person. That's, that's wicked bad person. And certainly Hitler would classify and qualify for ungodly. But in the Hebrew language, the text itself is pointing to something more close to home. Really closer to home, but it's mo better if I say it mo close to home. Anyway, uh, he, he's talking about something that's close to home. It's where God is no longer part of the equation. Okay? So we're listening to voices where God's not part of that equation. There's something else that's speaking to us and giving us direction on how to live, but it doesn't have anything to do with God. It has everything to do with other sources of, of inspiration, like my emotions. Can I just say, can I just say that maybe the voice that you're listening to that you need to stop listening to is your own? When I was a kid, my dad, about 16, 17 years old, my dad made me memorize a verse. And there were reasons for that, which I will not go into today. My dad made me memorize the verse, and I'm glad he did because it, is, it has helped me understand something. 
Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can fathom the depths of it? The heart is deceitful above all things. And yet some of us, even in the church, say, follow your heart. Please don't. We say, follow your heart and your dreams will come true. It's the dream of a withered life that will come true when you follow your heart. Why? Because English Standard Version says, the heart is deceitful above all things and very sickly. May not be desperately wicked, but it's certainly not healthy. And it is a voice that speaks into your head something different sometimes, many times, most of the time, than what God says. See, here's what happens. We allow our emotions to dictate our direction. We allow our emotions to define how we live our lives. Some of you are sitting here today, and you have built your, your entire life on your emotions. And you wonder why it is you feel so dead and dry inside. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. Today, friends, we need to stop listening to the wrong voice. When our emotions dictate our direction without any consideration of who God is, what God wants, where God is leading, then we are headed for a withered life. When we, when we listen to the wrong voice, then we're going to start making the bad choice. Blessed is the person who does not listen to the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the path of sinners. Literally, literally in the text, it means I make my stand in the path of sinners. It, it, language of the text, you might think, well, it's, it's where you're just standing and a bunch of sinners are walking by on this path. That's what you would think initially. But that's not what the text is saying. The text is saying, these are my peeps. These are my compadres. These are my cat daddies. These are my friends. These are the ones I'm hanging with, with whom I am hanging. These are my people. They are the sinners, and I am with them. And it's different than God not being in the equation. It's where I say, I don't care what God wants. I'm going to do my thing anyway. And I got all these friends around me to help me. And I make my stand here. When you start listening to the wrong voices, you start making the bad choices. You decide that what you want is more important than what God wants. How you want to live is more important than how God wants to live. What you want to say is more important than what God wants you to say. You don't care about what God wants because you got your thing going on. You've taken your stand. You've made your stand. And it is going to lead to a withered life. When we listen to the wrong voices, we start making the bad choices, and it's going to end up in sorry places. The sorry places sit in the seat of the scornful. Sitting in the seat of the scornful is a picture of me making my home with the scornful people. Now, scornful is not a, a term that we use often in the English language today. Do you use scornful? How many of you all use the term scornful this week? Oh, you're a scornful little rattle. I don't even know what to say. You scorn. You're a scorner. Oh, what about another translation calls it a scoffer? Scoffer. 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 Just say it. Everybody say scoffer. Scoffer. Doesn't it just sound scoffer? I don't even know what it. Yeah, what's a scoffer? We don't use that. Or mocker. 
Mocker. Now, mock, yeah, that, that's a little more familiar. You know, mocking. I'm going to be mocker. I'm going to mock you. Mock you. Me, 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 me. Mock you. Right? Okay? So, so all of those are translations of the term. But here's what a scornful person is, a scoffer, a mocker. It's someone who lives in arrogant pride and opposition to all things that God stands for and doesn't care what you say about it. It's a person who decides that his way is the only way and the best way and the perfect way. And even though he's drying up and toxic inside, he's going to stick to the course. A scoffer is someone who is contentious and mean and mean-spirited, who is abusive in language toward others. He's, He's the person that wants to start a fight and continually starts a fight. If you get rid of the scoffer out of the room, the scripture says, then all the fighting stops. The scoffer's the person who with their voice, with their language, with their toxic personality actually sets the city aflame with contention and fighting. That's a scoffer. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 24, the scripture says that a scoffer is the name of the person who lives in arrogant pride and continues in haughty arrogance through the days of his life. Bottom line, a scoffer is someone who is miserable on the inside and is happiest when he's making other people miserable along with him. It's a person who decides that it's their right to be ugly and mean and hateful and bitter and toxic toward other people for whatever reason. And that is a sorry place to live. I mean, it's just a sorry place to live. There's no way that you can experience a blessed life, a thriving life, if you're toxic on the inside. If you have been, uh, if you have allowed your sin to poison your soul so completely that you are bitter and mean and hateful and ugly and a fight starter and arrogant and prideful, guys, that's not where you want to be, but that's exactly where you'll end up if you listen to the wrong voices because you'll start making bad choices and you'll end up in sorry places. And by the way, and this is a little bit of application, some of your marriages are suffering because you're living with a scoffer or your spouse is living with a scoffer. Some of the reasons your children are racing out of the home as quickly as they possibly can is because you're a scoffer. And you've poisoned the soil in your home. What, uh, but there is hope. You see, you don't have to stay in the withered life. You can have a flourishing life. And this is verse 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Boom! Now that's the kind of life we want. How do you get there? How can you have a flourishing life? Well, the first thing is you've got to have a zeal, a passion, an urgency for God. You must delight in God. You might say, well, that's not what the text says, Eric. You say, you say the Scripture says, at least my translation says, um, blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord. 
right? But Eric, you're not saying, blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord. You're saying, blessed is the man who delights himself in the Lord. And I say, yes, exactly. How many of y'all took uh, geometry in school? Hands down. Okay. How many of y'all enjoyed geometry in school? Okay. All right. Yeah, good, good, good. Good, good. All right. Those of you who enjoyed geometry in school, can you remember the book? Y'all are scary. You know, the page numbers? Did, 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 you, did you dog ear the page numbers because you found a particularly good formula and you think, man, that's a good formula. I'm going to go back to that someday. You have that kind of book? Did, did, you, did you take your geometry book and you go to your teacher and say, can I please, 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 please have this? Forever and for keeps? Now, some of you may have, and if you did, you're ruining my illustration. But now, if you love geometry, you might like the formulas. You might even like the information found in a geometry book, but, but it's beyond the book, Right? When we talk about delighting ourselves in the law of the Lord, we're not talking about the moral codes of conduct. We're not talking about these principles and and, an instruction manual. Who in the world is in love with an instruction manual? If you are, again. Look, our passion can't be for the instruction manual. Our passion cannot be for the codes of conduct. Our, Our passion, our zeal cannot be for the, for the, for the rules and regulations. When, when Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, when it talks about the law of the Lord, it's not merely talking about the instruction manual. It's not merely talking about codes of conduct. It's not talking merely about morality and the way we should conduct our everyday existence. No, no, no. It's talking about more than that. It's talking about how the God of the universe opens his heart and makes himself known to us. So when we think of delighting ourselves in the law of the Lord, we're saying, I want to delight in God. I want to know him as he has revealed himself to me. I want to delight in God. I want to grow closer to him and have passion uh, and experience the passion of his passion for me. I want to grow in Christ. I, I, I want to I I have a passion for God. Now, listen, if you have a passion for the book but don't have a pra- passion for the one who wrote the book, you are missing it. If you have a passion for words but not a passion for the one who wrote the words, then you are wrong. You're a Pharisee and a legalist. That, that's bringing New Testament on to Old Testament. It, 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 it fits. See, see, we need to have a passion for God, for Him, a zeal for Him. Do you have a passion for God? Well, that's delighting yourself in the law of the Lord, and in His law, He meditates day and night. You know, if you're going to have a passion for God, that means you're going to focus on Him. Focus, focus on God. Now, let me tell you. If you're here and you've been a Christian, a believer, for more than 40 years and you act like you're all spiritual, but, but, but the truth is you're, you're, not really, you're not really sure what the Bible has to say about dot, dot, dot. And on top of that, you're not really sure that 
that, that you can find out where the Bible says something about A, B, or C. If that's who you are, you've been a believer for several decades, and, and you're still walking in that, in that fog, the problem is you haven't focused on God. You focus on a lot of things. By the way, in our marriages, in our relationships, we're going to focus on a lot of things. You're going to focus on tubes of toothpaste. You're going to focus on trash in the, in the kitchen. You're going to focus on underwear strewn across the bathroom floor. You're going to focus on, on a lot of different things. You're going to focus on soap dispensers. You know, soap dispensers. Now, how do you deal with soap? You see, this is an important issue in marriage. How do you deal with soap? If you don't know how to deal with soap in marriage, you are in trouble. We focus, we focus on a lot of different things. We focus on a ton of different things. In our life, we'll focus on the problems that are surrounding us and surmounted around us, and we will focus on those things. But friends, if we are going to flourish, it's because our focus is on the Lord. To murmur, I mean to uh, meditate on the Lord, means that we are repeating over and 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 over again the goodness, the greatness, the majesty, the might, the power, the saving acts of a living God loving me. See, I'm focused on God, not, not on my circumstances, not on the failings of my spouse or, or the, or the uh, um, rebellion of my children. I, I'm, I'm focused on who God is. We focus on God, and that helps us even through the hard times. A flourishing life. See, some of y'all are really experts at focusing on some things that don't matter. That, that have absolutely no eternal significance and that produce nothing of value in your marriage or in your relationships. And you are supremely focused on that. I mean, consumed with a focus on that. And that's the wrong focus. See, if we're going to thrive, we have to focus in on what really matters, and that is God. I mean God. Can I just say, I, I know uh, I, I use a lot of words every week. I mean tons of words. And a lot of the words that I use, you don't agree with, some of you. And, and, and that's right. You shouldn't agree with everything I have to say. You need to evaluate because I don't want to be one of those wrong voices that you're listening to. Right? So you need to take what I have to say, the multitudes of words that I have to say, and you need to evaluate how those words fit, not your opinion about things, but fit what God's Word says. Amen. See, the measure of my words is not your opinion, and the measure of your words is not my opinion, but the measure of our words is the very Word of God, because we're going to focus in on what God wants, what God says. We want to know His heart, and we want to be consumed with His heart and His passion. The way we thrive in life is when we focus on God. And the result of that is we're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. We'll thrive. All right, so you've got, you've got a choice. And by the way, there's no third choice. It's one or the other. You're either withering or you're flourishing. And you've got to decide which one. You've got to allow God to show you and reveal to you which one you are. Are you, are you withering or are you flourishing? Which one is it? So what is the application? I mean, a real specific application. Remember, this is as big and as broad as we're going to get. Um, the application for marriage is first, first and foremost, shut out the wrong voices. 
you got to shut out the wrong voices. If you and I are going to have a marriage that thrives, if we're going to have relationships that thrive, if we're going to have a life that thrives, we've got to shut out the wrong voices. We need to stop. Well, let me say it this way. Perhaps you need to stop listening to what you're listening to. Stop watching what you're watching. Stop reading what you're reading. If those things, what you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're watching, if those things infiltrate your heart and mind in such a way that they have greater prominence in why you do what you do than God's Word, then make no mistake, you probably need to just shut them down. We we need to shut out the voice, and we especially need to shut out the voices that are going on in here. Do you have voices singing in your ears? I mean, I do. I listen. I hear voices. Don't you hear voices? All right, somebody help me, please. I mean, I hear voices. I I hear voices saying, "Did you did you see the way they looked at you? Did, did, Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that?" I have voices, and if y'all had any idea of all the voices that are going on in my head while I'm getting ready to preach, and even while I'm preaching, it would be scary, right? I mean, but see, no, seriously, you have those voices based upon your experience or your emotions or a lot of different things, that those voices that speak to you and say, this is what you need to do. Eric, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to respond. And the problem with that is our heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. The voices I'm listening to have to be squared up against what God says. Before I can act upon those voices in my head or the voices swirling around me in the surround sound of my soul, before I can respond to them, I need to evaluate what does God's Word say. Some of y'all... Some of us, at different times, we say things we shouldn't say, we do things we shouldn't do, we go places we shouldn't go, all because we're listening to the wrong voices. <laughs> when you listen to the wrong voice, you're going to make some bad choices that's going to end up in sorry places. So we need to shut out the wrong voices. Secondly, we need to grow closer to God. I, I, I know this sounds really simple, but, but let me just say it as Just like this. The closer you grow in your relationship with God, the more powerfully life-giving your marriage will be. It's It's just that simple. Now, here's the thing, what happens to us when we start thinking about, well, I want to grow closer to God, and I'm doing everything I can to grow closer to God. But that nasty old man that I've been married to, he doesn't care about God. And so we start pointing our finger at, that, at our spouse. It's his problem. It's her problem. Stop it. See, see by the way, wives, if you haven't heard this, some of y'all haven't been married very long, but I, I just hope I catch you in time. Okay, this is important. <laughs> wives, you can't fix him. You can't. You can try, and many of you have killed your man trying to fix him. You can't fix your man. You can't do it. It won't work. It won't work. Ladies, you cannot fix your man. He is unfixable by you. 
by you. You can't fix your man. But you can, you can, in your own walk with God, grow closer to Him. And that's the key. Guys, you, you can't control your wife. Somebody shout me down, right? You cannot control your wife. You can't do it. You can try, but it'll kill you. It, it doesn't work. You can't control your wife. And by the way, it is not your God-given right to try to control your wife. I knew I was going to get some amens today, right? Hey, here's what we've got to do. Husbands, it is your job to grow closer to God. That's your job. That, that's your job. Now, when I grow closer to God, it makes me a better husband. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better pastor. It makes me a better person. Because I'm thriving from the inside out. Today, you and I, look, we need to make a commitment to grow closer to God. We'll come back to this uh, in the weeks following. We'll talk about this some more. But that, that's, that's core, okay? Uh, we grow closer to God. And then finally, uh, uh, we, we just got to trust God when it's hard. I know it's hard. I mean, I, I know it's hard. I, life is not easy. I, it never has been, never will be. Life is not easy. By the way... Uh, I don't know, and, and I know that this is, this is a song, and, and I know it's, I think it squares with Scripture, but, but, you know, some of you guys, I mean, here's the thing. You, you get in this marriage, and it gets hard, and all of a sudden, you want to bail. You get in this marriage, and it gets hard, and you want to, you know, beat somebody up or all this stuff, and, and you get mad, and you get bitter because it's hard, and, 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 and you, you act like marriage was supposed to be easy. And, and I just got this to say to you. I, I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Huh? Am I right? I mean, this is life. It's not always, it's not always uh, uh, easy. Sometimes it's hard. But even when it's hard, if you trust God in the midst of it, your leaf also shall not wither, and whatever you do shall prosper. See, here's the key. The key for us is to trust God more than we trust our own wisdom. See, when it gets hard, here's what we do in our relationships or in life. We start saying, well, you know, God, God's not taking care of me. God's made it hard on me. God, God's to blame for this, so I'm going to stop trusting God because it's hard. I'm going to start doing it my way. But when you start listening to the wrong voice, you start making some bad choices, and it's going to end up in sorry places. See, here's, here's the key. When it's hard, that's, that's the time to trust God because he's the only one who can fulfill the promise that your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do will prosper. We'll visit this some more, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be challenging. I hope we bring some humor into it simply because it, uh, we need to laugh sometimes instead of cry. Or maybe we need to cry sometimes instead of laugh. But we're going to do a lot of different things as we make this journey together. And I believe that, I believe that step by step, week by week, we will taste a flourishing life. 
Because blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper.